Father, we thank you for today that we can worship you together. And we thank you for your word. Speak to us through your word, we pray. Even in our own old age, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, today we're going to continue our series of sermons on the third and fourth ages. I think the title of the sermon series could do with a brief explanation. What do they mean? According to the age theories, age is divided into four ages. First age, an era for dependence, socialization, immaturity, and learning. Then it comes the second age, an era for independence, maturity, responsibility, and working. Then it is the old age, which is divided into the third and the fourth ages. The third age, an era for personal achievement and fulfillment after retirement. And the fourth age, an age for final dependence, frailty, and death. Now, by looking at these definitions, I realized that I have already entered the third age because I've retired. The first phrase of old age has started. Now, many people have commented on old age, some positive and some negative, with regrets. Here's one. If I had known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. Here's another one. Life teaches us two more important things. We are careless when we are young, and by the time we get old, it is too late to be careful. The regrets of old age are polarized. You wish you had not done certain things, and you wish you had ceased more of the day. However, some view old age much more positively. This one. For age is opportunity no less than youth itself, though in another dress. And as the evening twilight fades away, the sky is filled with stars, invisible, by day, all day enable us to see something they could not see before. Now, no matter how we view old age, it is something that we have to accept. Here's a quote, a rather funny one. I didn't ask to be a senior citizen. I was drafted. There is no choice, is there? You are in. That's it. I am in in the same club. The good thing is that I now have a senior citizen rail card. <laughs> One third off every time I travel on the train. That is great. What does the Bible say about old age? Proverbs chapter 20 verse 29. The glory of young men is their strength. Grey hair, the splendour of the old. 
And as I look around, there are plenty of grey hair, there are plenty of splendour to display, which is great. My hair is actually black, but I have grey. <laughs> Only joking. <laughs> Whether you feel regret or feeling optimistic in your old age, old age is a gift from God. Whether we are in the third age, or the fourth age, the question remains, what should we do or what can we do to make the most of it? Last week Sue spoke about Abraham focusing on hospitality and today we're going to look at Anna. Anna is only mentioned once in the Bible in Luke chapter 2 a total of three verses. In fact, these three verses tell us quite a few things about her. One thing for sure, the Bible tells us that she was very old. Verse 37, just 37, oh, sorry, 36 to 37. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Now on first reading, she would be 84 when she met baby Jesus, right? However, some scholars suggested that she could have been much older than that. This is because the original that was translated as she was a widow until she was 84 could have meant she was a widow for 84 years. So if we take the latter translation and assume that she got married at 14, which people do at that time, and then she was married for 7 years and then widowed for 84 years, if you do the sum, that means she was 105 years old when she met baby Jesus. And Jesus would have been 40 days old at the time. Verse 36 mentioned that her father was Penuel of the tribe of Asher. Now Asher is one of the northern tribes in, in northern Israel, rather than, than in southern Judah. Because she lived in Jerusalem, which meant that she was far away from her relatives. The passage also stated that she left, she never left the temple. Now there might have been a place allocated for her, inside the temple, for her to live, to live there. But the verse could also mean in other things that she went to the temple and spent all her time there. It didn't mean that she was actually living in the temple. Just as sometimes we describe people as they, have never, they never leave their office. In fact, they do leave their office, right? But they just spend most of their time there. So that could be translated either way as well. But Anna did not have it easy being widowed after seven years of marriage and no mention of children. Instead of letting, uh, feeling bitter or blaming God, she spent all her life close to God. Anna was called a prophet. A prophet simply means God's messenger, someone who passes on messages from God to his people. 
And Anna was one of a handful of women in the Bible who were called prophets. The others are Miriam, Moses' sister, Deborah, the judge, Huldah, the wife of Shalom, and then Asai's wife and Philip's four daughters. That's a handful of people, female, who were called prophets. So as a prophet, Anna had a very close relationship with God and had insight into spiritual matters. When she saw baby Jesus in the temple, she was instantly struck by his presence and recognized immediately that Jesus was the promised Messiah, the Savior. So Anna was a godly lady who has a special mention in the Bible. <coughs> However, her example is one that all Christians can follow. The passage mentioned that Anna did four things. The first is that she shared the good news with all who were waiting for the Saviour. The second, she spent time worshipping God. The third, she fasted. And the fourth, she prayed. Now, even though Anna was old, it did not dampen her enthusiasm in telling others about Jesus. Verse 38, she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now notice the words, to all. After meeting Jesus, Anna was enthused. She would tell it to all who were interested in listening because they were waiting for the Saviour. Now as Christians, we have all met Jesus, right? Therefore, we have a message to share, just like Anna. So I want you to encourage you to share your story. To share your story, first spend some time thinking about it. I would encourage you to write it down. To give yourself the confidence about what you're saying and how to say it using the correct words. Once you have done that, then share it with your friends or your relatives. Now, this is actually my last sermon before Anissa and I joined the church plant in Grange Park in September. So before we leave, I'd love to know your story. Therefore, if, if you decide to write down your story, I would love to have a copy and read it. Share your story like Anna. The second thing is that Anna worshipped in the temple. Now, we often say, I went to church today. Yeah? I think, perhaps we should say, I went to worship today at the Good Shepherd. The reason is that when we say we went to worship, it clarifies for in our own minds. Why we go to church? We go to church to worship God, which is the first and foremost reason 
why we're here to worship. In old age, due to physical limitations, we may not be able to go to church anymore. But we can still take time to worship God. Jesus taught us that it is not so much where we worship. The important thing is that we worship in spirit and in truth. Now the first thing that Anna did was fasting. Fasting is a spiritual discipline to help us to humble before God, to focus on Him, free of distraction, no cooking, no eating, just spending time with Him. Now fasting, I know, is not for everyone. It depends on our health condition. Yeah? Sometimes we're so frail, we do need to eat, particularly in our old age. However, fasting is closely linked with the fourth thing that Anna did, which is praying. Praying is something that we all can do, whether we are young or old. It is a crucial ministry, particularly for the older people. Derek Pram wrote a book called A Good Old Age. In it he wrote, one area of good works in old age is becoming spiritual baggage-minders. King David established the principle that his frontline soldiers and their baggage-minders were of equal values. 1 Samuel chapter 30 The share of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All shall share alike. Now, this is actually a very important principle. When the Israelites went out to war, some went to the front line to fight, others had to stay behind to look after the supplies. And David established a principle whether you are in the front line or you stay behind to look after things, they were to get the same share. So we can apply this to us at church. The younger people, just like the frontline fighters, they go out. But the older people stay behind as baggage-minders. Every vicar, every pastor, teacher, elder, deacon, evangelist, Sunday school teachers, youth worker, missionary, whatever, they need the prayer support of the older folks. The older people have already run the race. But old age is an opportunity for praying. Because we have more time than before. And we have trodden the paths that others have tr are, tr are going through right now. So we can pray with understanding. So in our old age, we may not feel able to do many of the things that we used to be able to do. We are no longer in the front line, but we can support others through prayer. Now Anna had a lifelong habit of devotion, so it was easy for her to do that. But for us, it is not too late to start. Whatever our age.
So let me make another suggestion on how to start and continue a regular prayer life. Buy a small notebook that you can carry around with you easily. Decide on a place or room that you go to regularly. It could be a room in your house, the library or a cafe. Every time you go to that place, bring the notebook with you. When you arrive at that place, open the notebook, find the next blank space, put a date on it and start putting names on that page. As you put a name on that page, pray for that person. And then put another name, say a brief prayer and then put another name and then pray. Once you have done that for several people, close your notebook and get on with your business at that place. Over time, and looking back at the notebook, you will see a pattern of your prayers. Because you have recorded the date, you know how regular you pray. And you would know who you pray for the most. We could be just praying for the same people again and again and again. Spend time thinking of other people you would like to pray for. Not only those appear regularly and frequently in your notebook. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. This is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Prayers be made for everyone. I do encourage you to watch the news. Whenever you see the news, the names that appear, maybe it's fresh in your mind and then just put those names down in the notebook. It could be Boris Johnson. Some of you may laugh. It could be Jeremy Hunt, I don't know. Whoever, just put those names that you don't normally pray for in that book. God may be prompting you to bring that person to Him in prayer. So just do that. Gradually, you will see the notebook being filled up and you are establishing a regular prayer pattern. You have the notebook to show yourself of that and you know it between you and God. So Anna worshipped, fasted and prayed and spoke about Jesus to her old age. And we can, do, we can all do the same. 